And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. Forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. with Dan Happel, and today we're going to have a great discussion. Thumper, we've got a, a new guest to the program. He's someone that uh, has written a, a fantastic book. It's called Rules for Defeating Radicals, and it's a takeoff on uh, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals and just exactly how we need to end this crap. But I've, I've had a chance to uh, visit with Chris a little bit, and I've also seen some of his writing. And I mean, the guy is incredible. It's going to be a good, good program. And uh, he is uh, a Wyoming boy for a long time, but he's now living in Missouri. Chris, I, I have to welcome you to the program by saying, starting it with this, uh, that article you wrote about what was happening in the Missouri legislature with the uh, Rhino Republican uh, Missouri legislature, I could repeat that story 49 other times around this country because we've got the same, I could write that same story for the state of Montana. I could write it for Wyoming. You'd write it anywhere because the fact is we are in a uniparty crappy system that's selling socialism. And uh, every time we have somebody that stands up and fights back against it, and comes back with the idea that America is a constitutional republic based on individual liberty, they get uh, beat up by the left of the right and the right of the left. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> Let's have a great program. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you for being our guest. Well, thank you very much, Dan, for, for having me here. And, and that was a great intro. And by the way, that was one of the best renditions of God Bless the USA that I've ever heard. I think aside from Lee Greenwood himself, that ought to be the gold standard. Um, it was just really, really moving. Um, and, and as far as what you said about, uh, you know, we could see that the things that I talked about going on in Missouri, we could see them in the other 49 states. Absolutely right. There's no question about it. I have maintained very close ties with with Wyoming. Um, I was born there, uh, lived there for the last 32 years prior to 2018. So, uh, you know, very, very, very strong connections all over the place. 
And yeah, what what they're what's going on in the Wyoming legislature right now is every bit as vile as what you're seeing going on in in the Missouri legislature that I that I spoke of in my most recent commentary. Um, it, it's it's a matter of those in power having a focus on maintaining their power, and uh, you know, they'll play enough of the game they think uh, to to placate the voters. Unfortunately, going back to Wyoming. And it's not a lot different here in Missouri. The the um, standard game of, of the Republicans and it's the voters, it's it's the grassroots Republicans who are at fault for this because they go, we live in an overwhelmingly red state. I think Wyoming has the highest Republican voter registration in the country. And um, it's like it, everything's OK. We've got Republicans in power. It's OK. As long as those in office stay away from the Second Amendment and a state income tax, the average voter just uh, ignores what's going on and goes on with business as usual. And what the guys down in Cheyenne end up doing is voting like a bunch of Vermont Democrats on one bill after another. Uh, they're empowering the swamp just like they do in, in any blue state. But as long as they stay away from a few issues there, it doesn't look so bad. And the news people won't talk about it. And so th th they get away with it. Well, that changed. That changed in uh, 2016 uh, uh, when President Trump got elected. And, and he started going after the swamp. And uh, you know he was going to close down the border. And who opposed him? Who threw every dirty trick at him in, in the book? Paul Ryan, our Republican Speaker of the House. And we can go down the list of, of things like this. So yeah, the, the biggest problem we have, and when I wrote my book, Rules for Defeating Radicals, uh, the, the initial focus was on the, the hardcore leftists, the dirty tricks they pull, how do we fix that? And then I added chapter seven. I realized at some point I needed to add this chapter. Chapter seven, I refer to the rhinos and Republicans in name only as the essential Alinsky fifth column. Mm -hmm. It's whenever whenever the conservatives are rising up to to actually oppose the Democrat agenda, all of a sudden we get undercut by some Republican who wants to reach across the aisle or who wants to build bridges, who who doesn't want to be too strident. Remember George Bush's compassionate conservatism? Oh, yeah. You know, the, what he was saying, the, re the real statement there uh, was you have compassionate conservatism, which is Medicare Part D and expanding government and growing the and, and open borders and everything. As opposed to that other mean conservatism, that that cold-hearted conservatism, which talks about you know making America great and and all sorts of extreme right-wing things like that. So yeah, the biggest battle we face before we can actually uh, oppose the the leftist Democrats with any with any strength with any unity, biggest battle we face is we have got to root out the rhinos in our midst and and actually get rid of them and put real conservatives in those places. The good news is it is starting to happen. Um, I actually, and I hope you let me complete this sentence. I don't want to give people the wrong idea. I actually call Liz Cheney the gift that keeps on giving mm -hmm. because, you know, Rush Limbaugh loved her. She was, she, she knew how to, how to talk the talk when she, when she needed to, um, people don't know this, but Dick Cheney back in 2014, when she was running against Mike Enzi, who was a much more conservative Senator, Dick Cheney actually touted her as I kid you not go look it up the tea party candidate. Okay, they all morph into the second coming of Ronald Reagan at election time. And yet we find out the reality behind it. With Liz Cheney, we got to see such an ugly side of the rhino betrayals that people began opening their eyes. People began saying, wait a minute, this isn't what it's supposed to be. 
the Republican Party isn't supposed to be like this. How did this happen? And, and this is why we need to keep bringing the focus back to the Liz Cheney's, the Adam Kinzigers, and the Mitt Romney's, who, who are all ultimately doing the, the bidding of the Democrats. Yeah, spot on. And uh, incidentally, Dick Cheney, I, I, uh, people in Wyoming keep, uh, kept electing him. Uh, and here he was, the, the president of the CFR, uh, and even openly bragged about it in uh, one of the CFR uh, meetings. There's a, a great recording about him saying, yeah, I didn't exactly uh, tell the people of Wyoming that uh, I happened to be the, uh, the president of the CFR, uh, but that's the way they work. They, they're, they're chameleons. And yep. I, I refer to term. Lizard Cheney. Uh, you know, she... <laughs> <laughs> As the ultimate chameleon, yeah. And the ultimate chameleon, exactly. Um, and incidentally, um, when, when Chris, we're going to be joined by a good friend of mine uh, sometime later in the, in the uh, podcast, but uh, uh, Colonel Bill Colt. And uh, Bill was a uh, military intelligence, uh, he was one of the heads of the whole Middle Eastern military intelligence group uh, for their U.S. Marine Corps, wow. and ended up retiring as they had the commandant of the uh, uh, Marine Corps Intelligence Training Unit in Damneck, Virginia, just outside of Quantico. Uh, but I'm telling you, this guy, you're going to love him. I can't wait to have him on with you because you talk about a guy that'll uh, tell you where the bear shit and the buckwheat, he's it. Uh, he is uh, somebody who does not mince words about it, and he and I attended a meeting uh, about a week and a half ago where our congressman, um, Matt Rosendale, uh, was uh, meeting. He came over with uh, Matt Gates, and they were uh, meeting with our group to talk about his potential run for the U.S. Senate. And in Montana... The Billionaires Club, which happens to include our governor, Greg Gianforte, and uh, his right-hand man, Steve Daines, uh, who is also a multi-multi-millionaire, they selected our uh, Senate candidate. Nobody had any opportunity to say anything about it. I'm, uh, I'm the finance chair of the Central Committee in Madison County. Mad, uh, Madison Republican Party. Um, I've been as high as the uh, finance chair for the state party in uh, the positions I've worked uh, consistently with legislatures. The only time they have a damn thing to say to me is when they're looking for votes. And, or dollars, uh, yeah, absolutely. Money, yeah, it's yeah, they, all they, about they want money. The, our, our job as, as the peasantry, our job is to put out the yard signs and pull the levers and shut up. And this is the way the way they see it. I uh, I began I, the first Republican convention I went to in Wyoming uh, was 1992, and uh, I went there, and you know it was Bill Clinton versus George Bush. Okay, which sounds like you got a you know a, a strident uh, a difference between the two, and so yeah, we're all there, and we don't want Clinton. We see what Clinton's doing. So what are we dealing with? Well. Not as bad as Clinton. That should be the Republican motto. Not quite mm -hmm. as bad as the opposition. So vote for us. Okay. Mm -hmm. We tried to pass a pro-life uh, a plank uh, on the on the platform, uh, and it was you couldn't get anything. 
to the right of Bill Clinton passed these people. We got laughed out of the room by the Republican Party. We're all stunned. What is this? We thought we were Republicans. No, what they are is they are low cost Democrats. And when I say low cost, that part is even dishonest because their idea is we can have the same moral rot. We can have the same cultural decay. We can have the, have the same expansion of government, but they're just going to do it at, at a less expensive rate. And, and maybe they'll cut your taxes in the process, which rarely, if ever happens. But the point is that they set the stage for for uh, the, the societal implosion that requires big government, that requires more spending, requires all of this. And, and they do it saying, well, you know, it's the process. We couldn't help it. We did our best. No, they didn't. They mm. didn't have any real goal in mind to actually move things to the right. Um, what, what they want to do is be able to say just enough of contrasting themselves from the Democrats to where they can put out fundraising letters. Mm-hmm. And and uh, this is the core of the old GOP. Now you mentioned Matt Getz and and, and uh, you know the, the things you've Matt been involved Rosen with there. here. Mm-hmm. We're seeing we're seeing an uprising. Um, I'm still in very close contact with with the Freedom Caucus there in Wyoming, uh, John Bear, the chairman, and uh, and uh, several of the legislators, and uh, and they're shaking things up. Now, what's the biggest obstacle? You mentioned it a minute ago. Big money, a lot of it coming from out of state. And, and the, the, the idea is to buy the elections, uh, but it's ultimately going to be up to us at the grassroots whether or not we fall for all their slick ads and, and other things. Well, and and uh, Chris, I, we're good. I told you, you're not going to have any problem carrying a conversation on this <laughs> network. <laughs> I promise you, you're going to find this to be fun. But um, Matt Rosendale was approached by Senator Steve Daines and uh, Steve Dane, because everybody knows that Matt was planning on running for the Senate seat in uh, in the state of Montana for uh, against John Tester, and I think he could beat him like a rented mule. Real quick, uh, tell me about Steve Daines, if you would. Well, uh, Steve Daines, he's a senator from uh, Bozeman area. Uh, you know, I always thought he was going to be a good. A good senator, a good kid, but he's uh, typical of the of the swamp. I don't right. know what it is, but uh, it's it's like going to the swamp, uh, mm-hmm. and they catch this terrible disease, uh, yeah. and and as a result of that, then they act like all the other people in the swamp and love it. Now, what Steve Daines, the senator, and incidentally, he worked. Uh, at Right Now Technologies, which was a company that Greg Gianforte uh, started and had in Bozeman, ended up being a, a multi-billion dollar company mm-hmm. that they sold to uh, one of the big software developers. And in the process, Greg Gianforte became a billionaire. And uh, Steve Daines, who was kind of like his right-hand man, ended up becoming, if not a billionaire, at least a multi-multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's money behind all this stuff. But Absolutely. Anyways, let, let me tell you the story, because this is fascinating. Uh, uh, Matt Rosendale is one of the Freedom Caucus in Washington, D.C. He's one of 21 uh, legislator or congressmen that are uh, the creators of the Freedom Caucus with Matt Gates and, you know, uh, uh, Andy Biggs and people like that 
who are true constitutional conservatives. Matt has a 100% constitutional voting record. Wow, good for and him. He's had, and he's had it consistently. He hasn't ever dropped out of that category uh, since he's been a congressman. He is a true constitutional conservative. I've known Matt for a long time. I knew him when he was a legislator here in Montana. He was consistent all the time in his voting, trying to uphold the Constitution. Anyway, <clears throat> Steve Daines came to him uh, last, I, I believe, November. And he, he told him, he says, uh, you know, Matt, you got to tone things down. This uh -huh. uh, right-wing crap that you're doing, uh, you're, you're hurting the party. Bingo. Yeah, you're hurting the party. You got to tone things down. You're not going to get support uh, in your run for Congress, but we do have, or for Senate, we do have somebody in mind, and we've got billionaires lined up to back this mm -hmm. guy, okay? Well, uh, guess what? Uh, his name is Tim Sheehy. He is also a multimillionaire billionaire. He is running because he served uh, as a, a, a SEAL team member uh, in the military. They paint him as a picture. You know, you got to salute and kiss his ass, I guess. But the bottom line is uh, they're putting millions and millions of dollars behind this guy in in. The governor and the uh, U.S. senator endorsing him, and yet right in our Republican platform, you cannot endorse a candidate uh, as an official. You cannot endorse a candidate before the primary. you got to wait until after the primary. Now, you can say things privately. That's fine. They're putting millions of dollars. And uh, Steve Daines told uh, Matt Rosendale when he was talking to him, he said, Matt, uh, we've got billionaires that are ready to put uh, money behind this other guy, and, and they're going to do it. And We can buy that seat. We can buy that seat. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. that's what they what he said. Yeah. It's, it's it, appalling, it is, but not surprising. No, it's not a bit surprising. And and when I ran for the state chair position in uh, uh, Montana back, I don't know, 2015 or something like that, 16, uh, um, <clears throat> I ran for the state chair. Every single or almost every single county in in the uh, in the state their central committees voted for me, okay? I was overwhelmingly taking the state. I was running against a guy that was uh, an obnoxious rhino kind of guy. I'm not going to mention his name, but I was ahead by like 80 to 20 percent in, in the state uh, race for the state chair position. Um, a month before the, uh, the convention, Steve Daines went to the the former head of the Senate uh, in the state of Montana. He was a former uh, uh, speaker of the, of the House and uh, uh, president of the Senate in Montana and begged him to run against me to enter the race. And the comment that I got back, and I, I trust this, comment I got back was that Steve Dane said, uh, we can't let a radical mm -hmm. like Happel 
yeah. uh, be the chairman of the state uh, Republican Central Committee. You know what was radical about my platform? You, you, my you plat abided by the state platform, I'm guessing. Exactly. I yep. wanted them to abide by the state platform. And I also said, as chairman, I was going to uh, try to require the any uh any uh, state legislators or senators that were running on a Republican platform go through a two-day constitutional training class on what the Constitution really says. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can just imagine, uh, again, when you, when you have a, a, a long-running good old boys club that, uh, that has um, enriched itself immensely off of, frankly, the passivity and indifference of the voting public in Montana. I hope you're listening to Dan right now, because what he's doing is putting the ball in your court to change these things. OK, and the same thing for Wyoming, the same thing for Missouri, um, that ultimately the only way they can get rid of uh, get, get away with this stuff is with our tacit um, complicity and enabling. If, if we if we just don't bother to get involved, we, we just go along to get along. Here in Missouri right now, you, you read the article uh, there about uh, Bill Eigel, a, a staunch conservative. He sounds almost as radical as you do, and uh, just an excellent, outstanding individual. And uh, yeah, they're they're doing their their level best to attack him the same way. The the party chosen candidate is Jay Ashcroft, son of John Ashcroft, who was attorney general under George Bush. And uh, it's like it's the swamp trying to perpetuate itself. Um, you know, this this is uh, just how they operate. I want to go back to something that, that you asked uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, you said, what happens to these people when they get in there? And there's a couple of things. One of them you mentioned, the money. People can be bought. There's an awful lot of people can be bought. The other one, uh, and I'm going to grandstand about my book just a little bit. The other one is Alinsky. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. You go into a room and you're saying, um, I don't think COVID uh, actually was was randomly, uh, you know, uh, from bats or anything like that. And the whole room starts laughing at you because they have their official narrative. And, you know, I think it came from the Wuhan lab. Oh, you're a radical. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're the only one. Ninety percent of people at that point will back down just because, you know, I don't want to sound too crazy or whatever. Um, and the, the Alinsky strategy, it, it totally works by intimidation and mockery. The, the, the good news about it, and this is why I thought somebody needs to write a book. And eventually I thought, well, nobody else is going to do what I will. The, the good news about the Alinsky strategy is, and I make this point throughout, is it only works on those who allow it. The minute you stand up to it, it doesn't work anymore. It has no power over you unless you give it that power. So they call you a radical. And if, you're, if your sudden concern is, well, I, I don't want my friends to think I'm a radical. I don't want to sound too outlandish. I don't want to be, you know, uh, you know, one of those crazies, you know, David Koresh or something. I better tone it down. I better start trying to sound a little bit more reasonable. Once you do that, what you've done is you've put them in the driver's seat. And they do this to you so quickly and so subtly in some cases, and we let it happen. Uh, I'll give you one great example that you'll see all over the place, even among really good conservatives. And I've been using this example a lot lately because I see it too often, is you hear the term left-leaning. Okay, we refer to these people as left-leaning. When did you ever hear the term right-leaning? You don't mm -hmm. hear that. You hear right-wing extremist. 
Mm-hmm. So they're left leaning. They're over just a little bit to the left. You're a right wing extremist. You're way over here. So what do you do? You try to move over here. So you're just right leaning because they're left leaning. I don't want to be too far. When actually, if they're way over here, you have to go out here to be mm-hmm. right leaning. This is how they do this. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's a. Um, I, we've talked about this before, but uh, there's no such thing as compromising with communists. If you are dealing with communists, they know only one thing, and that is their way, and they are persuasive in getting people to negotiate. Yep. Uh, that's the term they use. And of course, uh, you know, uh, the old saying, uh, meeting across the aisle, bull mm-hmm. crap. Yep. Building bridges. Uh, yeah, building bridges or or uh, or uh, building coalitions across the aisle. Mm-hmm. The only Every common time... ground between right and wrong is some version of wrong. And that's, this yeah. is where they have drawn the lines. This is why the, when they put out their agenda, they don't water it down. They don't try and move to the middle. They come out and it's like they've got this great plan for, for making America, uh, you know, their leftist uh, socialist utopia. And then we're the ones that try to show we're not too radical in comparison to that by moving over as close as we can to that. You're, you're, you're so spot on with that. And um, incidentally, I, I really recommend your book. It's You're a very good writer. Uh, well, very, thank very, you. Appreciate very that. Very readable. I do uh, a share of writing myself. I've never written a book, but I do a share of writing myself. And I can tell you, your book is very, very interesting and readable. Um, and uh, I, I highly recommend it to people. It's called Rules for Defeating Radicals and uh, really outstanding. So, um, well, what we're talking about now, and and I, I'm going to make this statement. You saw it in my newsletter, but the fact is... Um, we really are caught between two parties that are both socialist parties. We're caught between what I refer to as uh, neo-fascists or the new fascism. And the new fascism is where industry actually not only is in bed with government, but actually they help fund the government by using um corporate money to uh, line the pockets of these politicians to do their bidding. That's sure. basically it. And and the other side of the coin is the Democrat Party, which is uh, basically uh, international socialists or communists. They, they believe in Alinsky. They believe in Marxism. And here we are, people like you and me, we're caught in the middle, and all we want is a return to the kind of normal constitutional republic that we thought we grew up in. And what's that called? It's called nationalism which makes us nazis and so again this is how they'll they'll reframe these things exactly. where what they're actually doing is is pushing marxism and i will tell you I, I know you mentioned the national versus international those boundaries actually don't ultimately exist because they will they will cross over any which way they can right. where the leftists will use wholly American organizations and, and, and corporations, uh, if they can, if they can leverage them against us. And they'll, the, the, the Republicans, well, they'll also, you know, they've, they've, they've got their, their fingers in, in the tail everywhere else, too. The point being that when you have a basically immoral political class that sees itself 
as the elites and sees you and me as the peasantry, it's always going to devolve into this. Now, you'll hear the terms. I know you mentioned fascism and Marxism. You know, well, those are opposite ends of the political spectrum. That's a leftist myth because they're actually both on the same end of the political spectrum. They actually both believe in totalitarianism. They may quibble. They may compete with each other for dominance. They may quibble over exactly how to get there, but they end up in the same place. And saying that that, uh, they're opposite ends of the political spectrum because they hate each other, that's akin to saying the Sunnis and the Shiites are opposite ends of the religious spectrum because they hate each other. No, they're all Islamists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, um, you know, the corporatism part of it is uh, it goes both ways, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, but you're right. I And you're you're uh, you must be one of those crazy birchers like me but, uh, <laughs> that recognize the fact that fascism and communism are both. Uh, on the far left side of the spectrum. Absolutely. That was one of the leftist concoctions that that, that they came up with. Uh, One of the points in my book I make is that the leftists in every situation will come up with some convoluted way of putting themselves on the moral high ground. And when when the absolute evils of Marxism came out in the fall in the wake of the fall of the Soviet Union, et cetera. Well, suddenly it was kind of bad PR for them. And they really had to push the idea that, yeah, we, well, yeah, we have some skeletons in our closet, but so do you. And so all of a sudden the Nazis and the, and, and the fascists are now on the far right. There's nothing about the Nazis and fascists that align with people like Matt Getz or Donald Trump. Or, or, or uh, you know, we can go down the list of, of good conservatives. There's, there's nothing that they have in common. You want to look at how they govern and how they oppress and how, how they brutalize their opposition. It's all on the left. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's all about ending the individual rights and responsibilities. And that, that's the key to this whole thing. We, we need to understand that if, in fact, you are a freedom lover and you, you tout individualism, with that individualism, you have responsibility to yep. take care of yourself and your family and, and your community and be involved and do things. That's a responsibility of citizenship. And that's what our founding fathers recognized and understood. And what that, that's what uh, the whole concept of uh, unalienable rights, God-given rights, is, is based on the idea that we have a responsibility as, uh, as well as the fact that we have those liberties, but that government exists only protect, to protect those liberties and for nothing else. It, it should provide a framework of, of, of freedom and justice within which all the people can maximize uh, their, their uh, pursuit of happiness, their, uh, their dreams, th- their goals. And uh, w- when you have the government saying, we're going to guarantee outcomes, uh, you, you remember uh, the, the phrase out of, uh, out of Roosevelt and, and uh, the New Deal of a chicken in every pot. Um, first of all, the only way you can put a chicken in the pot of somebody who doesn't raise chickens is to take it away from somebody else. And secondly, if you're out there and you say, you know what, I'm tired of chicken, I, I kind of like to have a steak. No, you're not allowed to have that, a chicken. That's what we say. We're going to give you meager subsistence. Well, if you're starving, that sounds good. But if you're actually going to move beyond that into the realm that you described of personal responsibility and and, and the pursuit of happiness, uh, no, really, that, that can't happen because that's unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And 
And every time you talk about um, socialism, you got to understand that uh, to, for it to work, the only way it can work is if you uh, pick and choose winners and losers, and you are the one that uh, takes from some to give to others. And if you're going to have equity, equity will never be at the highest standard. It'll only be at the lowest. And so that's what you see in those environments. And that's why you start seeing empty shelves in the stores. And uh, eventually, you know, people uh, like we've seen down in Venezuela, which had one of the best economies in the world until the socialists got in control. Eventually, you see people eating rats and stuff to, to try and survive. And, oh, that can't happen here. This is America. It happens by degree. Mm hmm. Yeah, everything we've seen, Chris, has been happening over a period of time, and everybody seems to think, "Well, it just happened." No, we've been we've been watching this happen. Boy, am I glad you said that for a hundred and forty, hundred and fifty years, really. And and actually, it started right after the ratification of the Constitution. Oh yeah, it's like a disease in the body that's always going to be there, and the immune system can knock it down most of the time, but occasionally it uh, it takes hold. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 the criminality started almost immediately. Tammany Hall, very early in, in the history of the country, was, was a political machine uh, to, to gain power, not to represent the people, but to gain power. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and um, <laughs> you know, the big hero of the uh, Republican Party, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, he, he was a product of Tammany Hall. That's how he uh, got to be the uh, police chief for the city of New York. Uh, also, Roosevelt happened to be uh, the first progressive socialist president we ever had. And um, when Taft started, uh, his his successor, uh, Taft uh, was president and tried to take constitutional America back a little bit into the uh, Constitution. Roosevelt came out of retirement to start the Bull Moose Party, which was the Na American National Socialist Party. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't sound quite so so uh, heroic and patriotic when you call it that. Exactly, and I mean, you talk about an asshole. Uh, you know, the guy was a uh, our first empire builder. He wanted to be in wars one after another. He was the biggest promoter of uh, World War One, and uh, you know, he he didn't live long enough to see World War Two, or I guarantee he would have been promoting that. Uh, Let me you know, give you the the um, Wyoming version of the Bull Moose Party, if I may jump in there, because I'm sure. glad you mentioned that. It, they, they call themselves the frontier Republicans. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if they're even still functioning. These are the people who, back when the conservatives are trying to break into the political realm, these are the people who are screaming at us about party unity, and we don't want circular firing squads, and we shouldn't be eating our own, and, and all of this, you know, that you, you stand with the party. And we watch them. They do that right up until the moment when a real conservative runs, and then they would, then they would, be the biggest pile of backstabbers you've ever seen. Well, a couple of years ago, they formed an organization called the Frontier Republicans. And this was because you had your grassroots uh, uh, conservatives, your your uh, your Matt Gates crowd, that um, you know your Freedom Caucus people were starting to run and starting to win elections. They literally, and I again, I haven't followed up closely on this, but they literally held their own um, Frontier Republican state convention and did not attend. The, the real Republican convention, once they didn't have the majority to dominate things with their left wing and so-called moderate policies, 
Um, you know, th this is how they operate. They, they'll demand unity from you right up until the moment when you and your unified uh, fellow conservatives actually have any kind of a majority. Suddenly, you saw from Liz Cheney, the Matt Kinzinger, suddenly this crowd, they go over to the opposition. Well, that's actually where they were all along. Right. But they're just actually showing their colors now, which, you know, the silver lining in that cloud is that ever since Trump got elected, uh, he's his biggest single achievement far above everything else that he did was to unmask the rhinos. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the the uh, controlled media, uh, him, him oh, yeah. identifying the swamp and the creatures in the swamp and uh, the lying media, as he referred to them. I yep. mean, a lot of people didn't like the way Trump said things. You know, he's a typical New Yorker. You know, he he uh, doesn't mince words about things. But the fact is, is uh, the rhetoric was absolutely spot on when we were identifying the culprits that were at the bottom yep. of the of the swamp. And even that phenomenon that you mentioned, when you consider that Donald Trump came right after Barack Obama, you talk about somebody with a vile, divisive, mm. hateful mouth. It's Barack Obama. Absolutely. And yet, nobody ever, ever once accused him of being unpresidential, did they? I mean, you, you look at the stuff he said, you look at, the, at, at how he would misquote our founding documents, and yet he would pronounce any Middle Eastern uh, uh, word, any any Islamic phrase, he'd pronounce it with absolute deference and precision. And and yet he wasn't unpresidential, but Donald Trump, who was a street fighter, uh, a political street fighter, all of a sudden we're talking about unpresidential and mean tweets and you go down mm -hmm. the list. This is the left, how they, they can selectively moralize, I call it, which is total hypocrisy, but how they do this in such a way that they put themselves on their phony moral high ground. Now, we have the option at that point to say, you're a bunch of lying hypocrites. I'm just calling it what it is. You're, you're, you're a bunch of phonies. I'm not buying that. Or, well, gee, the rhetoric is getting too heated. Let's try and get along, at which point we have to move in their direction. And, and this is the game they play. Mm -hmm. And they're good at it. They they're are good at it. Incredible. And we're, we're not good at recognizing it, but we're getting there. Mm -hmm. We're getting there. We're we're winning, uh, whether we realize it or not. I, you know, we talk about uh, how how they uh, how the controlled media talked about Donald Trump and what uh, you know how unpresidential and all this stuff. And and I love the fact that China Joe Biden uh, stumbles around. He can't even complete one sentence uh, with any intelligence. He does the stupidest things. He. He uh, has probably the worst rhetoric of anybody I've ever heard, just because it's so disjointed and and non-functional. Yet they talk about well. I, I remember he did the uh, uh, the the first uh, State of the Union message. They talked about he was on par with uh, with Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I mean, give give me a break. This guy's a stumbling. Uh, boob. He, he's a he's a corrupt, stumbling boob. How in he's, the world could they call him presidential? If they, they can tell any lie, and they will tell any lie, if it intimidates enough of us from speaking the truth. Okay, uh, I'll give you another example here of this very same thing. What did we see in in the 2020 election? We saw Donald Trump walking away with it. We saw this sudden 
unheard of, unprecedented thing where the, where the vote count stopped in six swing states. Okay, in the six swing states, Donald Trump was walking away with it. Uh, when the count restarted, all of a sudden, uh, Biden supposedly had a razor thin uh, majority in all six states. Okay, mm -hmm. statistically impossible, everything else. But that was that was a part of the of their plan was the election steal. The other part again, was the Alinsky strategy, because coast to coast, every news outlet, every fake news outlet out there, coast to coast, in unison, well, was saying the most secure election in American history. Now, even, even if it had been a secure election, and I really, it wasn't, okay, but no. even if it had been, there's no way they could make that statement with any quantifiability at that point. There's no way they could assess it that way that quickly. The point is they had that talking point ready. Coast to coast, they're calling it the most secure election in American history. Within a week, our side is, we're backing off from saying, hey, what did I see on election night? I saw the election get stolen. No, we can't say that. That's extreme. That's doubting democracy, which is the biggest sin you can commit. Okay, so within a week, we're using to our side not me. Our side is using terms like possible voting irregularities. Mm -hmm. Okay. Saying possible voting irregularities is like saying the Titanic didn't arrive quite on time. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you're not, you're not really lying. I mean, that, that, that's true, but you're definitely hiding the real story there. Okay. And, and, and the, the thing is that they knew if they could get us to that point, they'd get away with all of it. Because from there on, then if, if you say anything more strident than possible voting irregularities, then you're a conspiracy theorist, then you're un-American, you're uh, 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 causing doubts on the effectiveness of democracy, which is just the worst thing you could possibly do. And and what do they do? They put this, this obviously demented puppet into the White House. And uh, you know, for a while, they were getting away with uh, putting stuff into a microphone in his ear. And, and uh, occasionally he would do things like you probably saw the scene where where he's walking past some guard and he says, turn right and salute. Well, he's repeating what he heard in his ear. OK, <laughs> and on, yeah. on this basis, they're going to tell us the most secure election in history, the president with the most votes in history, who sounds like Abraham Lincoln. OK, how many lies do they have to tell before we, 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 we call them out on it as being absolute nonsense? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what we need to do. And of course. Uh, we do a lot of programs on January 6th. I uh, have, have worked with uh, closely with some of the people who are producing the movies uh, on January 6th that are exposing Good. this nonsense. And uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, a couple of them are guest hosts on my program on occasion. So, uh, but we, <clears throat> I was there January 6th. Um, I did not go to the Capitol. I was at, at the Ellipse. I, I saw President Trump. I heard his speech uh, with a number of other people from uh, our area, from around the country even. And um, we, we noticed out in the crowd, there were people out there that were instigating uh, problems. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, you know, I've, I've sat as close as 30 feet from the president uh, at, at some of the rallies in Montana, um, you know, when he was running. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was one of the delegates at the national convention, so I've had an opportunity to be right there. We, um, and, and I can tell you, we never had the kind of 
loudmouth disunity and crap that I saw yep. out in the crowd in, uh, at, at the yep. speech that he did. Well, guess what? We find out now that they bust in hundreds of FBI special agents. Mm -hmm. They had Antifa, they had BLM. They've been identified as being right at the center of all the troublemaking crap. They got. Uh, let me like tell you something. That is treasonous, what they did. It's nothing Absolutely. short of treasonous. Absolutely. Guys like uh, Ray Epps that, uh, uh, did, you know, he was right in the middle of all this stuff, but he didn't even so much as get arrested. Right. And if they had arrested him, he'd have gotten the equivalent of a parking ticket. Um, at yeah. the time it happened, and I stand by it to this day, I compared it to the burning of the Reichstag. In, in uh, Nazi Germany, where you you uh, create this uh, this situation, and uh, uh, the perpetrators turn around and blame their political enemies and and uh, vilify them, and on that basis, again, they go on the offense and, and they use it as a license to uh, to institute every kind of despotic overreach. And what have we seen from the from the so-called FBI and Department of so-called justice ever since then. We've seen something that, that if you'd have told somebody about this 10, 15 years ago, they would have said, no, you're confusing that with the West, with the East German Stasi or the KGB. That, that, that can't happen in America. Well, and we've got people um, uh, spending, um, you know, 10, 10 years or, you know, we don't know how long they're going to be because some of them have got 20 year prison sentences. Yeah. Uh, for so-called insurrection, when mm -hmm. in fact uh, the only insurrection that I saw on January 6th was the fact that uh, uh, the, the Democrat Party and the complicit Republican Party, the FBI, all these different agencies were there to make sure that a stolen, a stolen election did not get exposed. Right, and absolutely right. That's the insurrection, and you're absolutely nailing it. That was it. And, and uh, you know, needless to say, our good old Senator Steve Daines, he was going to be one of the senators that was going to challenge the, uh, the Georgia uh, election. Okay, he had agreed to do that. <clears throat> he rode the coattails of uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump supported Steve Daines mm -hmm. running for that Senate, Senate position. Um, he 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 got elected basically. Uh, uh, you know, Trump was a big part of that. Anyway, but the bottom line is, he was supposed to be there to uh, open the discussion, the investigation uh, before they approved the. Um, the electoral votes uh, to have the discussion about the irregularities in Georgia. That was his responsibility. Guess what? Uh, January 6th happened. The hearings never happened. Right. It died. It was killed. It was killed intentionally. And uh, when uh, they were all looking for an excuse to to run out of the room is what happened. Yeah, when when uh, when uh, we uh, called the uh, Steve Dane's office, uh, the gal in his office says, "Well, it was just so scary, we had to leave." Mm -hmm. Scary yeah. my ass. If I I was there, if I had been a congressman or a senator, and I had seen that crowd coming to the Capitol, I would have gone out there and said, "Hey, guys." Yeah, uh, there was nothing understand. scary about it except the Antifa FBI infiltrators. 
Um, not to not to do a bigger fish story, but uh, Wyoming Senator Cynthia Lummis, I think, actually did even worse on that because uh, she came out and she was loudly not going to endorse the stolen election. And then come because she she said and she saw it like the rest of us did. It was stolen. There's no way I can in, in, endorse it. There's no way I can support it. After the January 6th setup, she came out and said, no, at this point, I will. So from her perspective, it was stolen, but I'm going to support and endorse the theft of the election because what they did on January 6th was so bad. And uh, from that perspective, it's like all we have to do is when we commit a crime is then set up some phony phony riot with a bunch of Antifa monsters coming in there and, and a bunch of FBI plants in there. And all of a sudden the crime gets legitimized. The election was stolen. The government we have right now in Washington is illegitimate. Mm -hmm. No question about it. Absolutely no, no, no question, question about it. And, and uh, just the fact that you and I are saying this online right now, we are part of the right wing conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I actually, in my book, I dealt with conspiracy theory uh, as one of, I, I put a chapter in there on labels and how the, the leftists can uh, claw their way onto their phony moral high ground just at the opening of the conversation, just by assigning labels, mm -hmm. you know, well, as, as an anti-abortion misogynist, you think such and such, no, I'm a pro-life person who cares about women and babies. Okay. But they're going to start with their label. And then from that point forward, unless you, unless you see it coming and unless you stop it immediately from that point forward, you're fighting this defensive fight. Well, a defensive fight, if you do it perfectly, all you can do is hope to break even and you never do it perfectly. So if you fight defensively, you'll always lose. So if, if we go back to Trump and the mean tweets, um, you know, we're going to talk about, well, he didn't say this right. He didn't do that right. Meanwhile, they're stealing the country. Meanwhile, innocent people are getting getting ravaged by uh, by foreign illegal aliens coming into the country who have no regard for our border and no regard for our laws. OK, mm -hmm. but Trump, he said something mean on Twitter. He hurt somebody's feelings. And so we got to focus on that. If we let them play those games, they will always win. Mm -hmm. It's exactly right. They uh, supposedly hold the high moral ground. And in fact, what they do is they know how to run the propaganda machine. Yep. That's that's what the high moral ground is anymore, is uh, strictly a, pop, a propaganda machine. Yeah. And you'll see them, by the way, you'll see them totally change sides on that at the drop of a hat. So so they'll take the opposite side of the same issue uh, next week if that'll put them uh, if that'll put them in, in the win win situation. Um, you know, you, you look at the fact that the how, how many times did we hear during the Trump presidency that he was mentally unfit, mentally unfit? He needs to be tested. Well, he tested. He had the, like the highest score they've ever had on his mental competency test. They won't test Joe Biden. They won't allow that no. to happen. And these people will look at you with a straight face and say, no, he's, he's competent. No, you're just being mean spirited. You're just a conspiracy theorist if you don't think he's running things. Um, you know, again, every situation, they'll they'll instantly change their stance as long as they can, in their mind, win the moment with it. We have the opportunity in every one of those situations to bring the issues back to their real substance and and to refuse to accept their premises. And again, the short answer for my book is that 
That's how that's how you oppose the Alinsky strategy. You stay on message. Okay. Um, now the thing I will add to that because people really do need to read the book is that they have a million different subtle and 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 contorted ways to get you off message. You need to understand how they do that. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in that defensive posture when you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Good. I see Bill Bill Cote is uh, is joining us. Uh, Bill, I I want you to meet a gentleman who you are going to love. His name is Chris Adamo. He wrote a book called Rules for Defeating Radicals. It's an excellent read. And uh, Thumper, I uh, sent you uh, uh, a little note there. Let's see if we can pull up uh, Rules for Defeating Radicals uh, so that we can show it on screen. But um, Bill, anyway, uh, my good friend, and he really is a good friend, he's one of my best friends, uh, Bill Cote uh, is a retired colonel uh, from the U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, He was military intelligence uh, in the Middle East. He was uh, the commandant of the uh, Marine Corps Intelligence Training Center in Damnack, Virginia when he retired. He is one of the clearest thinking constitutional, uh, I I would say constitutional scholars that I know. I love the guy. He's a good friend. So he's uh, a radical. Bill, he's a radical. He's just like me. He's <laughs> he's crazier than a fruitcake. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bill, uh, welcome to the program. Please, uh, uh, Chris Adamo. He wrote that wonderful book, and you have to. I'll, I'll get you a copy if uh, if you won't buy it yourself, I'll buy you one because you need to read it. I've been listening to you guys for the last hour and want to uh, want to jump in. I feel right, <laughs> at, feel right at home. I um, I think it's just crazy what's going on in our world, and um, I uh, I think Chris, you got it just absolutely hammered. I the uh, thing that I like about the Walensky uh, um, concept when you balance it against the the Bible, where God said, you know. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, mm-hmm. but we're warned about fearing men. Yep. And this whole political realm is about fearing men. And, you know, all these things where you're talking about, you know, if you say the truth, then you're a whack job. And, you know, we can go back in, in time in America and we can see, I, I would pinpoint uh, the Kennedy assassination as the point where, they really, there was this uh, this massive shift um, to people really becoming afraid of of men and what men would say, mm-hmm. because that's where that term conspiracy theory came out. And they took the most unlikely character with the um, unlikely weapon who killed a president, supposedly, and made the American people believe that it was true. And I think they, you know, I would compare the same thing with what happened with the, they took the two most undesirable candidates, um, Biden and Kamala Harris, and made them, made them the leaders of the free world, basically. And they were telling, we can do this because mm-hmm. we will intimidate you and we will shame you into keeping your mouth shut because you're afraid somebody's going to tell you you're a conspiracy theorist. And the sheer outlandishness of those two candidates is something that they wield uh, all, all the time over us. It's like they, they don't even they don't even seem plausible. What are you going to do about it? 
Yeah. They, they don't, I mean, they don't even, they, they don't like them. They don't let them do anything. They <laughs> yeah. control them. And they, and, um, and then they say, well, yeah, he, he won by, he ha- he got more votes than Barack Obama. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I mean, if, 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 if we take and throw common sense out of the equation, we're always going to lose. Right. Like, you know, we see things, we know things, we know something's not right. We don't really know what it is, but we know it's wrong, but we're afraid to say something because we're afraid men are going to laugh at it. Right. Or, or if, if we try to, and very, very much the same thing you're describing, if we try to couch it in terms that we think won't, uh, won't give them latitude to call us extremist or anything like that, then we start pulling our punches. That's why you, you heard me mention the possible voting irregularities. Um, yeah. we, we saw the most, I mean, we, we saw the windows on, on, on the, the, uh, counting place there in Michigan get covered up and, and everybody kicked out of the room. We saw the water leak in Georgia, the same thing. We saw all kinds of stuff. We saw the trucks driving in possible voting irregularities. The point is if they can get it to couch us to couch it in those terms, we're saying, well, maybe if you admit that you stole the election, maybe we'll get somewhere until that happens. We don't have proof. And therefore we're going to have to sit back and, and just go along to get along. Well, I, I 100% agree with you, and, and that's what we've done. We we have let them take over our country out, yep. out of fear of what might be the alternative. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I work for an organization, Mighty Oaks uh, Warrior Foundation, where we deal with uh, veterans and first responders, active duty to deal with uh, uh, post-traumatic stress. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we, we, we always point to a biblical solution of, of manhood. And, and uh, that God has a standard that has never changed. But if we look at our political system, right, there's no ultimate accountability. There's no thought of an ultimate accountability. To mm-hmm. God, yep. Right. They all fear man or serve man over uh, over the, the, the consequence of, of accepting that there is a God and there's going to be an ultimate accountability. And and we as citizens have joined on this battlefield that they created. And we keep fighting on the battlefield that they created. Right, according to their terms. That's right. And that's why I love Sun Tzu. He says, you know, he says, if you you do it right, you don't even have to fight and win. Yeah. Right? But we never fight on on the battlefield that the enemy has designed. And Dan and I were talking the other day at a Matt Rosendale thing, and I said, Personally, I, I think you have to burn the Republican Party to the ground. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Like it, you can get people to support individuals. If yeah. you want to give money, give it to an individual, not give it to the party. Right. Because, you know, and I know there's no difference between the Democrat and the Republican Party. And, the, and that uniparty system is designed to destroy the Constitution of the United States. See, and I, and I really absolutely care. agree with that. I, I do think that uh, that the Freedom Caucus is kind of accomplishing that from within. Um, and again, it's a long uphill battle, but um, they're they're getting out there. And and who who is it that's opposing the Freedom Caucus more than anybody else? It's the entrenched Republicans, and in many places, it's their the entrenched Republicans and their party apparatus. And and so, hundred percent. What we've got to do is. Uh, again, I, I, I'm people say, well, I, I don't like the idea of a third party. Well, I, I kind of really like the idea of having a second party sooner or later. <laughs> what we've got to do is get in there and 
find the real conservatives, the Matt Getz crowd, uh, Bill Igel here in Missouri running for governor. You know, we, we can go down the list and and uh, support them to the point where we have dominance within the party machinery. By the way, the the uh, the real conservatives do have the dominance of the party machinery in Wyoming, which is why the rhinos went and formed their frontier Republicans and they're, they're going to go play their own game. Now we've got to move those people into the legislature, into high office. And once it happens in one state, I'm really hoping Wyoming is pivotal this year. Um, I'm not sure where Montana's at. We'll have to discuss that. But once it happens in one state where you actually have real Republicans in a majority running things, the rhinos are all going to become Democrats. You're going to see them, you know, the masks come off. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's like a dam breaking at that point. And we're we're actually very close to that. Yeah, I think we have to. I, I guess I think we have to make the party so irrelevant the party system so irrelevant that the average because listen uh, i've watched this progression of people over the last couple of years realize that our country is, is on the darkest slope it's ever been in in yeah. their lifetime and they absolutely have no agree mm -hmm. and i was talking to a friend of ours bob and i said hey well can you tell me the difference between steve Danson and uh john tester i mean which so I got the Republican senator and the and the Democrat senator. I said, which which one of those has improved your life in any way, shape, or form in Montana? I just I just want to know, and, and and you know stand there because I've asked myself that question. There's absolutely no difference between those two individuals. Right, they have not done anything to improve liberty, to close the borders, to have sound money, to you know stop the foreign wars. You know, they, none of it there. And I said, so you have Steve Daines that's supporting this guy, Sheehy. And Steve Daines has never done anything to prove my life in Montana, whether he's a congressman or a senator. Not one thing. I can't think of one thing. And he's promoting somebody. But then we have Matt Rosendale, who's voted constitutionally, who who's, who's been the only guy in years that has voted for me mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. He's the only guy that's voted for me in Washington, D.C. And you look at Donald Trump when he was elected. I might not be the biggest Donald Trump fan, but the first two years of his presidency, the only thing prevented him from getting anything done were the Republicans. Were the Republicans. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. Democrats yeah. had no power to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they owned both houses as well as the presidency, and yet we still had open borders. We had all the crap that was there, Obamacare, all that. It was maintained and stayed in place in spite of the fact we, we controlled all three houses of uh, elected offices. Right. Let, let's take let's take it back a few years prior to that, okay? In, I believe it was 2020, 2010, after the first two years of Obama, 2010, the Republicans took the House. You remember John Boehner's big, big claim? We are only one half of one third of the government. We can't yes. do anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Democrats are still in charge. So a couple of years later, the Republicans take the Senate. Now we have the House and the Senate. We can't do anything till we have the White House. We had 2016 there to 2018. All of a sudden, we've got all three, as you said, and oh, we have to be careful. We have to we have to build bridges. We can't be too radical. The Democrats won in 2018, not because they had a better agenda 
for, for America is people were just sick and tired of the Republicans kicking the can down the road. What happens once the Democrats win? We hear that, oh, we've got to let them run things because they have the agenda that the people want. And this is this is how these these kinds of things perpetuate. And the entire time we're sitting back and waiting, are they going to actually do the right thing next time? Are they going to do the right thing next time? And so as, as you're saying there, Bill, what we've got to do is is broom the rhinos uh, get them out of the system. And if we have to call it a Freedom Caucus Party or if we keep calling it the Republican Party and just have them govern like we say Republicans ought to govern, I don't care. The point is that business as usual inside the swamp, whether it's in Helena, whether it's in Cheyenne, whether it's in Washington, D.C., business as usual is, is the biggest enemy we face. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I agree. But you know, you, when I was listening to you guys on that, first hour and you were talking information warfare mm-hmm. how you say you tell guys all the time he says you know we were you're designed to fight stand up fight it doesn't mean you get in a fist fight or gunfight about everything we have to stand up and speak but we don't use our words correctly because we're afraid to offend right absolutely and, uh, boy you nailed it there my, my question is is do you want to live in a fair world or a just world i like that and and it's kind of a trick question i asked I asked the guys that in Mighty Oaks because I was reading an article, and this was two secular humanists that don't believe that there's a God and don't believe that men have to know God in order to um, do good. And they said, it's very important that we have a father and mother, a husband and wife to raise kids in a normal environment. Secular humanists are saying this. It mm-hmm. sounds like something that come out of a Bible. Yeah. And, and uh, they said the reason why, because men bring competition and women bring fairness. And uh, and I'm going to just tell this, I'm just going to lay this out and I'm going to ask you, and it's, um, <clears throat> we have moved so far into this victimhood and fairness, mm-hmm. I will say that we have feminized our whole culture. We've taken competition out of the lane. Men have sat on the couch and, and we've been told, you know, if the, if the world was fair, I'd be good looking and playing, you know, professional football for 50 million a year, (laughs) but, but it's not fair. You know, we've got to get in there and we've got to compete. So, so, okay. So we have this balance of fairness or justice, right? Because God calls us to, to live justly. And I'll just use this example. When I was a, company commander in the Marine Corps, right? If I had two Marines that were UA for morning formation, they both got written up. So NJP, Article 15, Captain's Mass, whatever, for whatever service, they're going to come in and see me for non-judicial punishment. The first guy has always been a problem. He's drunk in the rack and he's always in trouble. The second guy didn't tell anybody, but he took his wife to the hospital in the middle of the night for a severe uh, illness. Now they both got written up. So justice means they're all going to, they're both going to come to see me. The first guy comes in the drunk. What, what am I, what would you do to him? I mean, for good order and discipline in a military unit, what are you going to do to the guy that's always disobeying, always wrong? You're going to hammer him, right? I'm going to take a stripe. I'm going to take money. I'm going to restrict him. I'm going to, so then the next guy comes in who did exactly what we want him to do. He just didn't tell anybody what was going on. Right now, if we, if we live in a fair world, 
I got to hammer him the same way, right? <laughs> but if we live in a just world, the, the government's given me the authority to look at the mitigating situation and apply mercy, mm -hmm. which is to let the guy off that did the right thing. So if you want to live in a fair world, somebody's always going to get screwed. If you want to live in a just world, you always have an opportunity for mercy. Um, first, first of all, I, I, you, you said a feminized uh, uh, society there. And, and I just want to, uh, not to quibble over words, but I, I call it an effeminized society because it is not natural for men to be that way. Uh, I refer to them as being spiritually castrated at that point. Uh, the, the rest of your points are absolutely well made. Now, you're, you're the commanding officer and the two people come in here. What is your end game? Your end game is to ensure order and discipline in the unit. Okay. And that's the basis on which yes. out of justice, you make your decision. If, if uh, you know, if the, if the drunk guy comes in and he, and he's, you somehow through some means, you know, he's turned over a new leaf. It's never going to happen again. And he really means it at that point, you might be able to extend mercy, but your goal is not to say, I'm going to hand out punishment on an equal basis. Your goal is to say, how do I make the unit work? It's best. Okay. In, in the, in the opposite sense, when you look at, at the law nowadays, the purpose of the law is to do just that. But you look at how the law is used. The law is now a weapon by which the strong control the weak. And mm -hmm. that's why you have, for example, we've had state capitals and we've had the U.S. Capitol and the Supreme Court invaded by leftists, invaded by pro-Palestinian mobs, every kind of thing. How many of those people go to jail? The point is no. not that they want a safe capital building. The point is they want their people to, to be able to, uh, to engage in their warfare against America with no consequences, but they want you and me to be afraid to ever go to D.C. again, because if I do that, the FBI is going to crash down my door in a couple of weeks. The law is a weapon at that point. At that point, it's dangerous. There's no justice or fairness in it. You're 100% right. We have two Americas, though, right? Yeah. We have, we have an America for... Uh, law-abiding citizens, and then we have an America for illegals or leftists yep. or Antifa or Black Lives Matter, whoever wants to kill, steal, and destroy, they have a set of rules. Who, whoever wants a nation to survive and 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 have a foundation, a moral foundation, we're gonna we're gonna weaponize uh, the government against you. I mean, you look at somebody that's paid Social Security all their life, you know, they might get two thousand dollars a month. The, the illegals coming across the border, you know, are getting, you know, plane tickets, train tickets, uh, you know, uh, visa cards, right. cell phones and money to survive. But but there's no there's no justice in a system that when you guys were talking about a chicken in every pot that if you know, this this fairness things means. Else, whether it's whether it's the law, whether it's money, whether it's liberty you know, the thieving always comes. Um, and, and trying to get to this point is that we have to know what we're voting for. And right. what I mean by that is, is uh, if you take the Republican Party and they say they're pro-life. Okay, so I'm voting for Republicans because they're pro-life. Of course, they've never defunded Planned Parenthood. Right. You know, didn't I'm really pro-life, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I'm voting for the Republicans because they're strong in defense. Well, we're going to go to war all the time continually because it takes money from the math. War is the biggest con game ever. 
And I can say that in a hundred percent all honesty after spending 30 years in the Marine Corps, war is, is the biggest scam. We're always going to have a defense because we always have defense contractors. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always like, I mean, Dan says it very well, you know, it's, it's about the industrial funding of, of who's in power. So we have to figure out how to get off their battlefield to win this fight. Yeah. You know, and, and, and our, our fight has to be from a moral foundation. Yeah. I, I would, I would absolutely 100% agree. And I know we've, we've been doing a lot of agreeing. I fully <laughs> expected that um, you, you go back continually referring to, to uh, the morality component of the thing. Again, this is where the uh, the the mind games, the uh, the psyops that they played on us for years, and they work. Well, you can't legislate morality, okay? And at that point, we back off because okay, I'm 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 not in here to preach a sermon. Um, you know, we got to try and do this objectively, as if morality is not objective. And at that point, we we've opened that floodgate. And anytime you leave you leave a door open for these people. Uh, they, they have no shame. They don't hesitate after they've told you, you, you can't legislate morality. They have no problem coming in and saying, okay, now that we're here, we're going to do what's right or what's they'll call it fair or anything else. Yeah, and and yeah. they're going to legislate their morality Justice. against us. Yeah. What do they call that? Um, social justice. That's oh, yeah. Fairness. Justice. Yeah. It has nothing to do with justice and it has nothing to do with our society, but it's social justice. Right. So in, in, in every one of these cases, um, the good news is, I mean, with the bad news and the good news is, is that it happens when we allow it. Well, if we stop allowing mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen anymore. And, and that back to back to my book there, and I'm not just stumping for my book, but, but that, that was the area that I came from of, of expertise is stop allowing them to dominate these, these, uh, the discourse. Um, we don't sit there and try and convince Nancy Pelosi she's lying and she's wrong because she already knows that. What we've got to do right. is treat her in such a way that the people in the middle who are watching this realize that we're standing on solid ground morally and spiritually. And that if we do that, it's good for the country. It's good for the guy on main street. Um, if, if we do that and they are standing for an agenda that will put us in the same place as Cuba and Venezuela, if they get away with it. And once we couch things in those terms and a lot more of that is happening lately, thankfully, but once we couch things in those terms, they, suddenly don't look as, as, as virtuous as, as uh, they previously had with all their compassion and concern and, and uh, you know, uh, what are they, the inclusion, diversity, all these other platitudes. Suddenly you see them for what they really are, if we stand firm. I, I agree 100%. And it's like, I, I, I used to argue with people all the time. And like, I really don't, I, but <laughs> I'm going to speak the truth, right? Like you can say what you want, but I'm telling you, when you speak the truth to people, they don't know where to go with it. They can mm-hmm. call you hate. They can say hateful, mean thing, and they're going to. Yeah, they're going to. But but if we get into a point where we're just going to speak the truth, you right. remember when Trump was running? I um I loved it because it was a, it was a, he used information warfare like nobody we've had before, right? Yep. He would just come out and say, you know, they're letting drug addicts and murders and rapists and whatever across the border. And oh man, for two, two months, they, you know, he's, uh, you know, 
uh, he, he's uh, the most evil person in the world for saying that. And, and then they go, oh, it's all true, right? Yeah. Here, let me ask you this question because 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 this is something that I've been rolling around. I'd love to get you guys' thoughts on this. So remember the opium wars with uh, Britain and uh, China? Mm-hmm. How Britain was running out of money because you know they could only buy tea from China with their silver, so they were running out of money. But then they happened on the opium in India and started shipping that to um, China so that they could trade opium for tea because it was about the British love for tea. This was all about getting tea without paying for it. And, and I look at our border and I look at China mm-hmm. and they learn well because what they're doing is they're flooding our country with fentanyl mm-hmm. and they're dumbing down a whole generation of people by doing nothing than giving them cheap drugs and keeping them sedated. Yep. And it's like, we, we have these politicians that have no desire at all to shut the border. We have, right. we have, we're, we're sending money tax dollars to the UN, UN organizations and NGOs that are scattered. I, I, I watched a, a show the other day, two, two brothers that got in Ecuador and followed the path the, of, of the migrants up the, of the illegals up to the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're showing all the pictures of all these NGOs and Doctors Without Borders and UN organizations that we're funding to invade our country with threat nation personnel, with drugs, with human trafficking, with you know, pedophilia, you name it. And 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 we have this Republican Party that has done nothing. Mm-hmm. And we and we'll still stand here and 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 give them word and give them mention and they they will fight ho- twice as hard to do nothing. Um, they'll fight you twice as hard to keep doing nothing as they'll ever fight the Democrats. I love the fact. I want to thank you again in mid sentence. You you were using the term you'd heard and you you corrected yourself. You said migrants. You said illegals. Perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole migrants thing is a. a Textbook Alinsky, where you you they're they're just they're just wayfarers. These people are just traveling. They're remember under Obama they were dreamers. You know mm. you have these MS thirteen gang members and they're dreamers. And and I look at uh, this morning I was doing a show prep to be on here and I'm looking at uh, at Breitbart, One America News, and other sites and the the number of times I see migrants instead of illegal invaders, which you never see anywhere. Um, Right off the bat, at that point, they've they're they've won two thirds of the battle with you right then and there. If, mm-hmm. if uh, you know, we, we start calling them migrants. Uh, you see, um, uh, conservative organizations. I, I, I listened to on the radio, uh, Christian radio. They have these conservative, patriotic organizations. They're great, but they say things like, "Well, Joe Biden really wants to blah blah blah," or Joe Biden is uh has signed such and such a presidential order and i'm going joe biden doesn't know if he just signed the magna carta he has no clue what he's doing and he doesn't want anything uh if they were to tell him you know to 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 uh to be a you know conservative republican tomorrow he would do it and get his ice cream and be happy and every step of the way with these these little subtle and not so subtle uh manipulations they put us in this position where 
Well, are you against migrants? Are you against poor, helpless people trying to find a better life? No, you know what? I support the poor, helpless people in these neighborhoods across America who are being invaded by foreigners who don't regard our country and who don't re regard uh, our, our laws. Those are the poor, helpless people that I'm going to support. That's right. Who can beat up cops in New York City and flip off yeah. the camera and go to California? But Gentlemen, just let me let me uh, uh, step in for just one second here because I've got a. <laughs> I've got no. I I love this dialogue. You guys are doing a great job. We haven't let, let you get a word in edgewise, have well, we? Well, <laughs> that's okay. I've been actually. I, I that's exactly what I wanted because I knew you guys would get along great. But let me put one very very obvious and fundamental premise into the discussion, and that is, communist, Marxist, fascist, whatever, collectivists. Mm -hmm. They have a very obvious, common, uh, fundamental thing about their personalities, and that is they do not believe in God. They do not believe yeah. in a creator, okay? They believe that man is the ultimate God. They believe that man is the ultimate cre uh, creator. On, on the other hand, individualist, constitutionalist, people who... Uh, believe in our country as a constitutional republic, not a democracy, a constitutional republic, understand that we live under unalienable rights, which are God-given rights, because we understand that the Ten Commandments is at the, the center of everything we do, it, or they should be. Okay, the foundational moral code. The foundational moral code for our whole system of government. Yep. The reason we are losing so badly in this war against the Alinskyites is because we fail to point out that they're Satanists. Yep. They are absolutely promoting evil. And yep. the church groups in this country that have fallen in line because they don't want to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. They don't want to offend anybody, so they go along with this crap. It all always boils back to the same thing. We are literally in a battle between good and evil. Yes, we are. And the United States of America, as a constitutional republic, was one of the few places in the world where our foundational documents said that we are on the side of good. Mm -hmm. We are a Christian nation. Yep. And and we keep forgetting all that. And that's the reason that uh, the communists, the Marxists, whatever you want to call them, the is, are in charge of our country right now is because we fail to understand our relationship with our creator is the very essence of what America stands for. Well, I, I, I completely agree. I think one one of the biggest problems in America is the uh, American Christian Church, right? Oh, um, amen, brothers, both of you. Most Christians don't read the Bible and don't know what's going on. And we have all these politicians, especially on the uh, Republican side, that will run and sp speak about Christianity. And uh, um, in James, the uh, second chapter, it says, you, know, you believe there's one God, you do well, even the demons. And so, like I like to say, is so. Oh, so you have demon faith? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> if you have faith in God, 
You're going to follow what God says, and you're not going to allow this unrighteous, unholy uh, raping of a country and of people and say it's because we're mean. Well, send your billions to their countries and support them there. There's plenty of missionary organizations that do that. But multiculturalism has never succeeded anywhere. It's always destroyed every nation. And there's no such thing. It's like if, you, if you're going to be an American, you're an American. You're mm-hmm. not at, at something else, hyphenated something else. And you can't bring your culture here and expect us to bow down to it. And that's what's going on. Like you said, oh, yeah, you don't like the the, the dreamers, the MS-13 gangs that are raping your daughters, that are infiltrating our country with tons of drugs, that are killing the next generation. Uh, sorry, got a little bit on my soapbox, but you're 100% right, Dan. But I think the problem is if the American Christian church would stand up and do what God calls it to do, we wouldn't even have this problem because there would be a moral accountability at the at the ballot box. People would say, I'm not supporting this guy that's supporting abortion, transgender, whatever, you know, giving giving, you know, billions of dollars to wars in Ukraine or Israel or whatever. Constitutionally, we have no right to they have no right to do any of that. Right. And I'm not going to weigh these decisions uh, against on a, on a scale against the dollars in my pocket. I'm going to look right. at these things from the perspective of, of uh, what is right and wrong. I'd like to back up just a little bit again, because, boy, you guys made so many good points. I'm writing down notes here. First of all, you're talking about about uh, the, the um, atheism. OK, uh, when I started writing my book, I'll go back to mentioning my book here. When I started writing it, the plan was I was going to talk about Alinsky's rules. Here's his rule. Number one, here's our counter. Here's rule number two. Here's our counter. Well, I very quickly realized that wouldn't work. And it morphed into a, a totally different uh, uh, thing here. Uh, I ended up saying, OK, what's the number one motivation of leftists? And uh, I just have to look and say, well, what is the universal quality you see among these people? And it goes back to your discussion of atheism, because the first thing that happens with an atheist is unbridled, unrestrained, blinding arrogance. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, there, there is no right and wrong. I am God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that opens the floodgates. Okay. Uh, and, and we see that with leftists. This is why leftists can implement a program that's a total disaster that wrecks the neighborhoods and they pat themselves on their sanctimonious banks backs because they care. You know, uh, you, you uh, get rid of the cops and the crime in the city just goes through the roof and innocent people, including a lot of little children are getting killed, but they're more compassionate and you're the bigot. Okay. Uh, the, the right, right on the heels of the arrogance is the hypocrisy. And I ended up devoting two chapters. Uh, the first chapter was on arrogance. Okay. This is what these people are. Uh, this is, this is actually their core is, is that they just, they know that they're just better than you. They don't even need facts anymore because they just know they're better than you. Okay. Right. And, and uh, right on the heels of that, again, with, with the lack of any moral foundation is the hypocrisy. So since I'm such a so much better of a person and I have such a better vision for the world than you ever would, you right wing Neanderthal, um, I get to do whatever I want to to uh, to implement this in the midst of this. 
we're always standing there trying to say, and let's face it, all of us, if, if we hear ourselves saying something, you know, that's not right. I, I, I really didn't mean that. I want to fix that because I, I, if I'm not starting out with truth, then the rest of my agenda falls apart. Okay. They don't have that restraint on them. For them, it's a matter of winning the argument at all costs. That's why if they have to deny what they said last week to win this week's argument, they absolutely will. Um, as far as what you're talking about, and again, I just, I love uh, everything that you guys went down, uh, talking about the American church. Uh, I probably, I'm going to guess you guys are both familiar with, uh, with a book, uh, a letter to the American church by Eric Metaxas. Um, he really does an outstanding job. And what he does is he compares the church in America to the, the church, the real church, the Christian believers in 1930s Nazi Germany and how their passivity, uh, you know, there was a couple of really good ones like uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer who ended yes. up paying the ultimate cost, but the passivity of the majority of the church it wasn't neutrality. Now they try to claim it's neutrality, but passivity in the face of evil is complicity. That's right. And and thankfully, we have a couple of major efforts going on uh, in, in this country to, to come against that. Uh, Metaxas's book is outstanding if you haven't read it. Um, there is there is a pastor who really gained fame during the covid days uh, because he just stood up to the governor of California and said, no, we're not going to accept that our church is not essential. And that's Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chapel Chino Hills. And um, he he delivers an excellent gospel message. He hasn't departed the faith to be political, but he doesn't hesitate to, number one, apply those biblical principles to our modern culture and, and what we as Christians should be in that modern culture. And he doesn't hesitate to exhort uh, people that, that their, their uh, unwillingness to get involved in those areas are actually, as you said, uh, are actually the ultimate cause of why the evil proliferates. Mm -hmm. And then we got another friend here that uh, you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with. Uh, and I'm going to sound like I'm uh, blowing my horn just a little bit, but General Michael Flynn, mm -hmm. um, he wrote a book, his first book uh, with a co-author with Boone Cutler was uh, uh, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare, talking about the PSYOPs. Now, the one thing I love about that book, after he does an outstanding job of explaining everything, is he includes a an appendix in it. Uh, it's called Rules for Victory, and it was actually based on my rules for defeating radicals. So there's a little plug for my book there. <laughs> but he ended up writing a second book on, on artificial intelligence and, and the, the, the way that it's being waged against us. And they're coming out soon with a new book, and they refer to it as religion. Uh, the idea that the same things that you're saying is that the people who know right from wrong and understand that the the foundations for right and wrong ultimately go back to God, not your God, not everybody's individual God they create, but to God. And, and that on that basis, we need to be, excuse me, we need to be out there standing for truth and standing against these things because it is, as you said, an absolute battle of good versus evil. When you guys talking, I was just thinking of uh, in, in Proverbs uh, 29, 18, it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. And the, the point is, is if we don't have this moral uh, left and right boundaries, there's, there's nothing that restrains us. Nothing. I mean, nothing. And, and, and we've, we, we, we have bought into this battlefield, into this um, political battle, and we fight it their way with people that have no restraint. Right. 
You know what I mean? But but we're trying to color inside the lines the whole time. Yeah. That's it, yeah. And, and we need to, we just need to get out of their system. We need to, we need to burn their system to the ground. Right. Not and, let them define the lines for us. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. It's like, no, the, the lines are, our lines are truth. Mm-hmm. Our lines are truth. Our, our, our goal is liberty, but our lines are truth. Yep. Cause that they don't have any of that. And, and if you don't have the truth, you will not have liberty. Absolutely. Right. That's right. And and they don't. And if but if if we just every time we got up to speak, we said, okay, let's talk some truth, right? Because what I'm seeing in men is that they they're they're gravitating towards truth. You know what I mean? Because because there's so little of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know that's and, true. And and when you when you get truth, you go, okay, well that's true. I can I can. I can, I, I've watched people, very left people that I know very well that I argued with for years and it never did a, a bit of good. When I started just speaking the truth, they started going, well, you know what? That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh? That's right. And it, because I wasn't arguing. You weren't trying to chase after one deflection after another they could give you. And, no. And, oh, and, and yeah. that's what they want because that's what divides. Yeah. That's why yep. this this party system works so well. It's all about dividing us mm-hmm. and people have no idea what they're supporting. They say, you know, Oh, I'm pro-life or strong defense uh, or, or, or they vote for, I, I'm sorry, this is a real thorn in my side is people that vote for military people. Cause they were in the military. Yeah. So let, let me just ask you, would you vote for uh, general Hayden or general <laughs> or, or let's not even talk about Mark Milley. Yeah. yeah. Mark Milley or, yeah. or Petraeus mm-hmm. or, or what was the Mattis? Would you vote for any of those people? Those people spent four years treacherous, treasonous talks about the president of the United States. Have you heard anyone, McChrystal, any of them, have you heard him say one thing about Joe Biden? Right. So my point, my point being is, is that very, um, uh, it's very obvious that, you know, our our military is a reflection of society. And if you're going to the polls and you're voting for somebody because they're in military, we're in the military, you're a fool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You vote for you, people because you know what they stand for. Right. Ex- exactly. The, the thing, and they've gotten away with it. And again, there might've been a time when, when a certain amount of that was safer than it is now. You know, if you, if you look at the average, uh, the average kid hanging out at the video parlor in the, in the mall, and then you see what he looks like dressed up in uniform with a couple of, uh, frankly, meaningless ribbons stuck on his chest. He's a whole lot more believable in the, in, in the second picture. And yeah, they play up on that. It's an emotional, uh, uh, manipulation, um, there are good heroic people in the military, and as you pointed out, there is a bunch of uh, a bunch of traitors and a bunch of people that are not all that, at the very least, not all that smart. And a lot of them are actually they've bought into some some quite nefarious things for our country. They've sold our country yeah. down the. I mean, these foreign war, this foreign war thing. There's no excuse. <laughs> like th- this is no excuse. Twenty years years of here. here I read this. I read this Bible. I don't know, hundreds of times. I was in the government for 30 years. I don't believe in coincidence. There's nothing out there that's happening that's organic. And until people understand that, you know, what happened in Israel with Hamas, oh, they didn't know. Yes, they knew. 
I don't know what the plan or the reason, but this isn't just an organic event. Ukraine's not an organic event. They they have to have these foreign wars to keep this money system going, or it, the whole system collapses. You know, I mean, there's a lot. Of, uh, I don't want to get down that rabbit. No, you're doing great, Bill, because you're <laughs> right on. You're spot on. I, I just I just think that we have to know what we're voting for, right? The pro. Let me ask you: When was the last time that you went and, and saw a politician and he told you? He was giving you qualifications why you should hire him for that position. Dan, when you're in an architect business, right? If somebody came in and you were going to hire them, right? You want to know what their drive is, what their qualifications are, you know, what they're going to bring to the table. We don't do that with politicians. And it had to be relevant. It had to be relevant to the office, to the position. That's right. Yeah. But, well, I'm going to stump for our uh, Freedom Caucus Missouri governor candidate, uh, Bill okay. Igel, right now, because uh, that's exactly how he approaches things. And, um, um, you know, what he what he did, what he's done as a state senator, what he will do um, and above everything else, why the establishment hates him, which these days, again, in the past, I, I remember being told it's like, if, boy, if you don't get their, you know, their um, stamp of approval, you're done nowadays. Uh, you know, when 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 you get uh, Liz Cheney attacking you or something uh, on that order, it's the biggest badge of honor. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we need to look at it from from the perspective not of what kind of flowery speech can they deliver, but what have they done and what are they actually going to do, and particularly what are they going to do in the face of uh, vicious opposition? Because as a conservative. Given the amount that, that the left has gotten away with for the last several decades, you get in office as a real conservative. That's all you're going to get is vicious opposition. That's right. Well, and I, and in the pro, part of it is is it's even worse than that. You know that. I mean, the threats and the intimidation. You know that's how the government works, but it even works more powerfully. We're seeing in the political parties. But my point in a, in a lot of this, and and I, I appreciate you saying that about your governor, like. If I'm running for office, what are the three things I want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's say a, a federal office. Well, first of all, I'm going to close the border. Second of all, I'm going to stop the uh, foreign war funding. You know, then I'm, we're going to march from sea to shining sea and, and remove every illegal from this country. You know, or or uh, then we're going to have sound money. We're going to have what I'm saying is nobody, you know, you get on there and they go, well, it's it's uh, God country and whatever and they just <laughs> they say things and i'm like what are you talking about it's like this she guy what have you heard oh well the border's a big thing oh, i'm gonna shut the border or i don't know if you know but i was combat wounded you know you know seal okay so what no i want to know what 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 are you going to do because what i've seen is you said isn't he the guy that said that um the california governor gavin newsom, newsom. governor um for um Climate change. So he's for climate change. He was for DEI. He's for mm-hmm. ESG. He's yeah. for sustainable beef operations in Montana. He was for the war in Ukraine. So what? How can you tell me that you're conservative? Yeah, yeah. And you have well, what you go to office. So why would why would I give you a minute of my time? Well, Bill. Uh, well, let me let me add something to that. And this was in our discussion when we did this first time. Um, 
the fact that he's beholden to the federal government for 96 or 97 percent of his income. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a billion dollar company that is DEI, E. EIS, all this other crap, this uh, woke nonsense. He's into uh, environmentalism. He believes in Agenda 21. He believes in environmental justice and all this other crap. And on top of that, he's beholden to the government for virtually all of his income. Do you really honestly think this man is someone who you want representing common citizens and taking our money uh, in 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 return for alliances with all this nonsense, you got to be nuts. I agree, hundred percent. But then again, again, where we miss out a lot, I think in in and I really like because you bring this up a lot, Chris, and I don't hear it from a lot of people. But but you're, you're thinking of the words and what are going on. The the way to affect it more is okay. So. I would ask the question, what has Steve Daines done if in Montana? What has Steve Daines done for you in Montana? Because everybody can say nothing because they can't think anything. They say, okay, so why would you support a candidate that he's putting forward? Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Um, I, if, if I could add in here, um, my, my rule number eight uh, uh, is identify friend and foe. And this is where we drop the ball because, uh, you know, I, I could show you right at the last minute – uh, in Arizona, John McCain sounding like the biggest border hawk in the world because it's right before the election. So you identify friend or foe, and then here's the key. This is where we lose it. Once a determination is legitimately made that a political player is doing the bidding of the enemy, do not allow it to be altered. Do not allow your determination to be altered on the basis of, of emotion or polished subsequent politicking and pandering. Because oh, by golly, that is the one thing these people are good at. Uh, I think I said before to, to Dan, you know, come election time, they all morph into the second coming of Ronald Reagan. That's and right. They've had billions of dollars for advertising. <laughs> and your Freedom Caucus people are trying to connect with the grassroots. They don't have that kind of money. So who's going to look better on camera? But if you have and if you if, if you identify the fact, you know, I couldn't trust the guy for the last 10 years, but he really sounds good right now. Well, that proves to be two things. Number one, he can't be trusted. Number two, he's lying to me right now. Okay. And if you stick with that in the face of all of their polished politics and everything, you stick with that, then you don't fall into that uh, going to the voting booth saying, well, maybe this time Mitt Romney is going to be a real conservative. And that's that. I mean, that is such a powerful point, Chris. I mean, it is so powerful because I've watched these guys for years um, talk and vote one way, and it comes down to the end, and and they're the completely opposite. And uh, it's, you know, somebody gets up. Well, when we were at that Matt Rosendale, that lady got up and said, "Well, my friends say that this guy is a was a combat veteran and a businessman. Why why should I vote for? Well, no, let's. <laughs> what does he bring into the table? Like." Yeah. It, it becomes this apologetic like vote for me because now I want the border secure. John Tester's running around. We got to secure the border. Well, John Tester, you haven't done anything on the border in, in 12 years. Mm-hmm. Those who don't want or those who do who don't win when they have the opportunity don't want to win. Right. And and so, the, you know, the all of the talk of securing the border. Uh, you remember all the talk of repealing Obamacare, yeah. uh, every fundraising letter from uh, 2000. 
2011, whenever it got instituted and, and until 2016, all we heard from the Republican Party fundraising letters was repeal Obamacare, send us money. OK. And then as soon as Trump gets in there, we got all three branches, uh, you know, and, and we, we've got the both houses and the presidency um, repeal Obamacare. Oh, no, we can't do that. Well, repeal funding for 500 million a year for Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's even, too extreme. They don't even do the the the. Only, I mean, that shouldn't even be a consideration if you're right. That, life. that shouldn't even be a consideration. It doesn't yeah. even require anything except for a line item out of a funding bill to say, no, you don't get any money. Right. I, the, the ridiculousness of the, I love that point eight. I do, because I think that identifying your enemy is so important. And I never thought of it that way, but it's like, now it's like imprinted in my mind is, is we, we really need to identify our enemy yep. early on because when we know that we'll walk away from it mm-hmm. and we won't waver. Well, and we've got to we've got to uh, quit forgiving people for all these transgressions that they do in in their normal political life through the whole process, and then all of a sudden we come around election time, and they can convince us that somehow they've they've got to come to Jesus moment, and they're going to do the right thing in spite of the fact that everything they've done historically is wrong. We've got to quit being so damn stupid and uh, believing in nonsense. Yeah, and and you use... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just... Can I throw this out? Um, uh, Because it was brought up from a friend of Dan in ours the other day. Um, uh, Citizens Grand Jury. Um, I think it's a huge thing. I think it's a huge opportunity for citizens to hold these liars and thieves and whatever accountable. But um, I, I I think it is. I think it's, I don't know, but it has to go from state to state kind of thing. But um, because right now there's no accountability in the system, right? There's a lady that stole a hundred million dollars from the army family readiness fund and bought 31 properties and 80 exotic cars and whatever. And she's still getting her full retirement, government retirement. I remember saying that just recently. But, but my point is, is we, we see these travesties and we never see any Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no there's no we need we need an accountability in the system that's outside the system. And so I just bring that grant that citizens grand jury, because I think it's a, a brilliant constitutional way to put people in jail that need to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Will it work? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, well, and it's outside the system, so you don't have uh, you don't have to be accountable to government to be uh, basically holding government accountable. It's pretty simple, you know. It, it and it was something that was built into our constitutional system of government by the founders with the understanding that it allowed citizens, when government got completely out of control, to have the last voice in determining what should happen to these people when they got so unaccountable. So, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest with both of you. I, I don't necessarily understand the details of this, and I'll just admit that up front. However, we do have something if it can be conducted properly, that, that it's a rough equivalent of that. And again, it goes back to what you said before, the, the, the morality of the nation, the morality amongst the citizenry, 
And we exercise that at the voting booth. And I'll emphasize again, if you ignore politics because you just don't like politics and wait till election day and they say, well, okay, I guess I better vote for the R because the D has got to be worse. You're playing into the system. You're playing into the youth party. And so the the ultimate citizens grand jury that, that we, we can exercise immediately is at the voting booth with an informed citizenry. And I do have hopes and prayers that the, the, the awakening is actually taking place because the, 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 the immorality of the government, no matter how devious they are, the immorality of, of the government will ultimately always be a reflection of the morality that we do or don't express in the voting booth. Mm -hmm. I we, we, I, we've got a, uh, we've done a program on this. I've actually done a couple of programs on it, Chris, but it's a, a program called Tactical Civics. Have you heard of that at all? I, I have not, but it sounds great already. Okay, it's Tactical Civics. And uh, please look it up because they uh, put an amazing amount of research into this. But what it does is changes the structure of government to get things back to the control of we the people. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it uh, initiates a process to create grand juries to, uh, to promote a well-regulated militia, a local citizen's uh, group to do that. And of course, we're not talking some lawless bunch of guys out there, uh, you know, just shooting guns and carrying on. It includes all forms of different civil uh, activities, uh, supporting not only sheriff's groups, but hospitals, uh, natural emergencies, fire departments. It's a lot of things that go into that. And then here's the, here's the kicker. Um, it makes every legislative district in this country 50,000 people. You end up with a legislature of, of a, a Congress, literally, of uh, local individual groups or citizens that uh, select based on local conditions of 50,000. They're all uh, not paid big money. They're all... Uh, citizen Congress people, and uh, they're accountable locally to their local constituents. And they don't go to Washington, D.C. They have an office in the community, and they're completely accessible to the people. They have a limited staff. They do not get uh, funding from special interest groups or any of this other crap. It's all a local citizenship thing. And I'm telling you, when you look into the bottom the bottom line on the thing, it makes perfect sense. Uh, it, it's a way to take our government back so that you can't have this group of people over in Washington, D.C. that literally isolate themselves from the problems of their local constituents and allow themselves to make a ton of money off the whole system that's uh, designed to basically steal their votes. Buy their votes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one thing I would add to that is, is any one of these, uh, these um, plans that we want to put together, these structures that we want uh, uh, to, to build to address these things, will be ineffective. I'll go back to the quote of John Adams, where he said, this constitution is wholly inadequate to the governance 
of anyone but a moral people. I'm really paraphrasing it there. I didn't get it right. But the, the point being that the, the real root problem is, as Bill said, the basic morality that we haven't upheld. And that's step one for us. The biggest single thing we can do is start boldly advancing those those principles and and doing it without watering it down to please the opposition. Um, the, the close of my book, I'll give away the, the, the spoiler, is that that we have the power of the truth. That's the single thing that we have that's far and away more powerful than all the schemes of the leftists, because every leftist government that ever gets into power, the first thing, the first thing they have to do is suppress the truth. Uh, at the peak of the Soviet Union, they had 30,000 nuclear warheads aimed at us. We had 10,000 aimed at them. What they feared more than all of our nukes, they feared printing presses in the hand of the common citizen because they couldn't risk their shaky facade of, of a, a, a government, of a functioning. They could not risk accountability to the people. So that's our weapon, the truth, the sword of truth. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, more and more people are not getting... They're not, but fewer and fewer people are getting their truth from the national news media. Yeah. You know, I just far, read some this morning about CNN getting cut. Find out what's really going on. So well, for doing this for years, it's, it's a tough, tough road to go, but without this kind of stuff, we never, you know, there's people out there that'll never hear anything other than what was going on in Fox news. That was fair and balanced. Right. But that's why we do these programs, guys. That's exactly why, because we can speak honestly and truthfully. And that's what America needs right now. Our country is desperate for the truth. And uh, uh, Chris, take a look at, uh, it, it was on, um, um, you can find it on YouTube, I think, but it was uh, uh, Matt Rosendale talking with uh, Steve Bannon on the war room about his um, him being approached by uh, Steve Daines. And it's about a 10-minute video, but it's absolutely priceless. Bill, I think you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. Also, I saw that first one where... Um... Who's the guy who was talking to Steve Bannon that uh, Carrie Lake, Steve Daines was involved in that bribe too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, that was on I, War Room. Yeah, that was on War Room. I know exactly which one you're talking about. And, uh, you know, they're, the, 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 the rhinos are desperate to keep the establishment Republican Party uh, away from the truth. And uh, Carrie Lake, is an absolute threat to them. Yep. Um, she, uh, you know, now she's running for a U.S. Senate. They can't get their hand-picked candidates in. Uh, needless to say, Arizona right now has got two very, very liberal Democrats in the Senate positions, and uh, Steve Daines is trying to buy off Carrie Lake to keep her from running for the Senate, that should tell you one hell of a lot yep. about Steve Daines. Yeah, he this it was Michael Patrick Leahy. Um, he said it was one of those he never denied not being, but it was that that interview right there mm -hmm. where he talked about it, and it was it was uh, pretty fascinating. I mm -hmm. I get I get a lot of little articles like this from friends of mine that have served with. Like what's going on in Montana? 
It's like new <laughs> when they came out with the thing in uh, Hamilton. Was it up in Hamilton? They had the bio lab where they they aerosolized the COVID. Yeah. yeah, you know, they said, yeah, he's from North Carolina, so they might have produced it at UNC Chapel Hill, but you guys perfected it in, in Montana. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we've got. Trust me, we've got a country in trouble right now. I, you know, I hate to say it, but we're out of time again. Uh, Chris, do you see what I mean about, you know, we, we never have any trouble filling up two hours really, really easily. I uh, didn't even get started. The truth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to give you, well, this is a good lead in because we're going to have you back. I appreciate uh, that. Incidentally, both of you, I am going to exchange your uh, telephone numbers and information uh, Bill, Sounds I good. would I would suggest that you and Chris exchange books. Uh, your book. Talk about your book. You. Oh, it's something last that I, hope something for I wrote in 2015. Our... It's it's all outdated now. <laughs> well, my, my, it, my theory it was probably a lot like yours, but it was uh, my my thing is is that you are the only one that can change our country. You know, it's not it's not plot parties it's not somebody else it's just you you know yep. you at the voting booth it's you deciding to find out what's going on so i think that's a timeless principle i don't think that's outdated at all i don't either and i'll exchange both your information back and forth chris uh i know bill will join me again because we we do this uh <laughs> we we are kindred spirit. I'm not a uh, former Marine. I'm a former Army. But uh, in spite of that, we're brothers in arms, no question about it. So anyway, Chris, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for having me on. God bless hope- you guys and keep fighting the good fight. Well, yeah. we will, and I hope you'll come back and join us again. I've got sure another uh, opportunity. I'll I'll talk to you off screen, but uh, I'd I'd love to have you back on on another network I do uh, programs on, and uh, let's see if we can uh, get a new audience because you do a fabulous job. Thanks. Okay, and Bill, uh, but brother, you are the best friend uh, a man could ever have. All I can say is thank you both for joining us again. Join us again for Connecting the Dots next Sunday. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee across the plains of Texas oh from sea to shining sea from Detroit down to Houston
misery 